When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies, or by emailing BandBiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this special interview episode of the BandBiographies podcast. Now, I hinted that there would be a mid-month episode in April, and here it is. My guests this time are the Sewer Cats. Ferocious, fuzzy, feline inclined, the Sewer Cats are an explosive Manchester-based punk duo, drummer and singer Cass and guitarist Josh, who deliver riotous tunes of patriarchy-smashing fury. Their short and snappy songs have been described as catchy and scathing, bursting with hooky riffs, drenched in fuzz and aggressive riot girl vocals, all served up with a big helping of sass. Their new album, Cute Aggression, is out today on Manchester-based DIY non-profit punk label TNS Records. Go and find it and the Sewer Cats back catalogue wherever you stream or listen to music, as well as on the TNS Records website. Without further ado, here are Cass and Josh, the Sewer Cats. Josh and Cass from the Sewer Cats, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming on. Hi, thanks for having us. Before we get into it, there's always the preliminary questions that I like to get through before we kind of get into the meat of the interview itself, just so that myself and the listeners can get a better idea of who you are kind of individually. So what's the first song that you both can remember hearing where you thought, I think I can do that. I'd like to do that. Try and do music as a living. Well, I mean, <laughs> doing music as a living is uh, an interesting concept. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, um, it, it's not really for a living. It's more for the fun of it and for the, yeah, for the, yeah, for the, for the enjoyment of it, isn't it? But um, I, I think for me, the first time I thought, hmm, I yeah, I could do this, is when um, I was kind of like sixth form sort of age and I started listening to like riot girl bands and it was something for me before I hadn't really seen people like me doing music, playing drums, doing, you know, doing rock music, I suppose. Mm. So yeah, for me, it was listening to Riot Girl kind of made me think, oh yeah, I, I could do this. You know, it's it's not just for boys. Mm. And was that the kind of uh, 90s and 2000 Riot Girl movement? What kind of bands were you listening to? 
Yeah, exactly. So like um, I was listening to Bikini Kill and Hole and L7 and Babes in Toyland and, and stuff like that. And um, at my sixth form, there was like a library where you could take out CDs. So I used to take out all the CDs and like copy them (laughs) (laughs) and listen to them that way. And um, yeah, that was really great. Um, So yeah, I got through like a big catalogue of of different bands that way. It's interesting. I've just released an episode today with another band from LA. And one of the guys there was like, I've never bought an album in my life. I used to go to the library and rent out like 10 CDs at a time and do exactly yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. And uh, what about you, Josh? What was your kind of entry? Oh, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't really buy many albums because like I had an older brother who just kept like feeding me like loads of music. So I got into like uh, punk music through that way, really. Uh, the Stooges, probably the, the first band I really, really got into and still probably probably my favourite band. And like mm. playing along to Brown House and like, yeah, I'd like to do something like this. And I still sort of copy them a bit. <laughs> but then uh, everyone does. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty good for me. Yeah, yeah. And was it always guitar for you? Or, or did you, have you tried different music? Did you start uh, with yeah, guitar? I, yeah, I've dabbled on a few things. So I played trumpet. That was my first uh first instrument and i still still bash it out occasionally but i'm not gonna uh yeah i'm not gonna do it like for, for us and yeah we're not gonna be like a scar band <laughs> you also not mentioned the bassoon i'm gonna come to that yeah i played bassoon for a bit. <laughs> that was awful it was terrible it's like the butt end of like every like orchestra so yeah i started on classical music recently right when I was, like really young okay yeah. Parents probably didn't really want me to play guitar and then influenced my brother basically to taught me how to play and then like it took off. So. The typical uh, rebellious uh, yeah, kind yeah. of story. Hate, hate of the orchestras is awful. And uh, was it always drums for yourself, Cass? Yeah, so um, when I was at school and I really wanted to play an instrument and really I kind of, I kind of wanted to do the same as Josh really, where, where everyone was in the orchestra and you know, you would play a clarinet or a flute or whatever, but my mum and dad weren't really keen on um, me bringing home like a screechy instrument. So, and the school had just got a drum kit. And so my mum was like, well, why don't you do drums? Because you can't bring that home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so they got me some drum lessons at school. Um, But yeah, soon enough, like I did want a drum kit at home and I did eventually get a drum kit at home. And um, yeah, they probably regretted that decision. <laughs> yeah, they still do now. They still do. <laughs> what are you doing? So they didn't want you to bring home screechy instruments, so they got the yeah. loudest instrument there possibly is. Yeah. It's better than a violin, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. Unless you're amazing, the violin sounds shit. It does sound rubbish. And like, it's instant satisfaction, the drums, I think. Because, like, you, yeah, within like a couple of lessons, you can you know, you can play along to a song, like, easy. So, um, yeah, like, I think, for me, I'm not that musically minded when it comes to sort of, like, reading music or anything like that. I find all that sort of stuff really difficult. And I tend to, like, go more by feel. And so I think the drums are, like, a good fit for me, really. Mm. So did you come from musical families? I mean, Josh, it sounds like your family was quite musical. Yeah, my brother, my older brother, I keep going on about him, but literally he can play anything. So yeah, we all just, yeah, we're sort of copying him. And 
Yeah, I guess like my parents could like do a bit, but they weren't they weren't into rock music or anything. Mm. So yeah, that's why they wanted us to like play like you know play classical, which just didn't work for any of us. Did they play classical as well? Yeah, they're not, they weren't great, but they you know. Your dad can like play guitar, yeah, and piano, play guitar and stuff, and stuff, and stuff, but yeah, like, no, weren't like amazing classical you know musicians or anything. Yeah, and my like my side um, don't yeah don't play anything at all actually. Right, so you had to find your own way into uh, into into yeah. music. Yeah. So, what were the first um, kind of albums that you bought then, what, with your own money? I mean, if 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 indeed you were, because it sounds like you were ripping albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such cheapskates. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we we all did it. We all did it. It was the early noughties. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, going back like a bit further, so this would be like sort of mid nineties, I suppose. Like, you know, with my own money, I just used to go to Woolies and buy, you know, like the Now compilations. That was like my thing that I used to buy. Um, yeah, some really awful things. But like, one of the first singles I remember buying. So this is probably like two thousand, maybe. Is I bought um, Hey Ya by Outcast. I remember like buying that. That's a song. And uh, yeah, I stand by that choice because that is probably the greatest pop song of all time. So I think that's that's a pretty good choice. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I don't know because like I was just. Well, this is the this is the great thing about having an older brother, I suppose, is that yeah, you is, kind yeah. of inherit everything from them. I'm I am an older brother, and I know that my younger brother he uh he got into kind of punk and metal just because well osmosis basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, no, I, I get that about the now CDs as well. I think they were a kind of rite of passage, really. Oh those, yeah, uh, those compilation yeah. albums. But I always found that there was one CD that was really pop, and then the other one was slightly more alternative with kind of hip hop and, and and rock stuff on there. There was always one good CD and one slightly naff pop CD on there. Yeah, and probably at the time I probably preferred the naff pop CD. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking like Steps and uh, and uh, Boyzone and things like that. Yeah, I wasn't actually so fond of the boy bands. I think that says a lot, like, it says a lot, <laughs> doesn't it? About the trajectory I was about to go on. I always prefer the girl bands. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, anything that stood out from them. I wish I still had them because I think it'd be really funny to, like, listen to them now. I'm sure you can find them somewhere. Mm, there's probably a Spotify playlist somewhere. There's a Now yeah. playlist yeah, out there, there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so when did you kind of graduate and kind of go to like live music, live shows? And, and what were some of the first kind of shows that you went to see? Who was who was playing? Yeah, so um, it's funny, actually, because like one of I'm not sure if this was the first, but it was definitely one of them we went to together. So like we've known each other since we were teenagers. Mm. And so I suppose like those kind of early steps into seeing music live, we would go together like as a little gang. And so one of the first ones that we could remember was going to an all day at a venue in Gloucester, where we're from, called the Welsh Harp. And it was quite, yeah, quite like a popular, like small venue. And it was really popular with like people of our age then because it served you if you were underage. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, it's no longer in operation, I'm told. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, we went to this punk all day and it was like GBH and UK subs um, headlining and like loads of other punk bands. And um, yeah, so that was like my kind of first experience of seeing live punk. And I have to say, I was a bit bored. <laughs> um because yeah it was again again you know like you go there and you think no one here is like me Mm. you know I can't like they're all sort of older men older white men and it's sort of like you know for a while I enjoyed it and then I just started to get like a bit weary of it and then I had too many Bacardi breezes and I had to be taken home (laughs) (laughs) brilliant um and so it's been really important obviously for you to see females in bands doing their thing it's one of the things that's come out in the last few years with inclusion and diversity and that kind of thing is being able to see yourself in a performer in a film in a whatever it is and so is that 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 seems to have been something quite core to who you are and and does that kind of influence the message of the sewer cats as well there's a there's a lot of kind of very uh, what would you call would would you describe yourself as a feminist band or is that too reductive yeah yeah Yeah. i i think yeah i mean i I think i don't think it's too reductive i think it is what it is you know (laughs) i never like uh, to say the wrong thing around these issues yeah i mean no I, i don't think that's the wrong thing at all um yeah i think I think actually, thinking about it, it's what one of the reasons why we ended up doing it is because we kind of thought, well, you know, it's it's important to to kind of do, you know, because like you said, you can't be what you don't see. And so um, you, you've kind of got to, I suppose like when when we started this band, I wasn't really ready to start this band. Like I didn't really feel prepared. I had never done vocals before. Um, I hadn't picked up a drumstick for like 10 years. (laughs) So when we were playing our first gigs, it was not easy to do. But I just felt quite strongly like, well, I I feel like I should just have a go at it because it's kind of important just to have a go. And even if you think you're going to feel stupid, it, it's sort of like an important thing for maybe other people to see. So, um, yeah, I completely agree with the sentiment of, you know, women in music need to be visible and out there to help everything along, I suppose. But it's mad, isn't it? Because, like, I mean, I do um, documentaries as well as these interview episodes and some of the most popular ones that I've done have been Susie and the Banshees, The Slits and X-Ray Specs and you're like well there's three incredibly diverse but very successful in their own right bands I mean Susie and the Banshees was incredibly successful Um, The Slits and the X-Ray Specs slightly more kind of cult I suppose Um, but still incredibly important and influenced all that riot girl movement that came later in the in the kind of late 80s and early 90s so like it's it's mad to me that there have been these incredibly strong women in rock music and yet still it feels like the representation isn't isn't there and and the, the, the kind of success of female artists is still 
almost a part of their success comes down to their sexuality rather than the the message yeah it can be reduced to that for sure mm. and I think particularly sort of it at grassroots level like you, you just don't see as many women or marginalized genders you know performing and mm. um it's like you say you know we've had these standout bands with you know women artists like kind of leading the way but that doesn't necessarily translate down. And so, you know, at a local level, I think we need to do more mm. um, to make sure lineups are equal. So that, you know, we, we, get, we get young kind of, um, you know, people coming through. Mm. And do you think that's because there's slightly too much gatekeeping going on or that, I, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think the issue is? I think it's sometimes laziness. Um, on, you know, promoters' parts, um, you know, kind of not sort of thinking about diversity, not kind of thinking, oh, okay, you know, I'm putting this lineup together, who shall I ask? Just mm. kind of thinking, well, I'll ask my mates and they all happen to be white blokes. Mm. Um, I think it's that. I think it is getting better, I have to say. Um, you know, having kind of experience doing sort of... Um, live gigs when I was a bit younger in comparison to now it's loads better than it was back mm. then I think we've still got further to go but I think there has been like some positive steps made and I think there is more of a conversation now around diverse lineups and uh, making sure that it's more equal Mm. there's like literally one club in my town now that does live music like everything else has been shut down and I think also that adds to the non-inclusive nature of things again it's like the certain couple of promoters who do that night ask yeah. the same bands on and um yeah yeah it's a little bit kind of stifling so you mentioned yeah. that you'd um you'd played in bands previously was it the two of you in in other bands or were you playing in separate bands yeah so when we were teenagers you know with the sort of like gang that we hung about with like Josh's brothers and stuff we we were kind of all in bands then so we were briefly in a band together then I was in one with Josh's younger brother um so yeah we, we were kind of doing things like when we were teenagers um none of it was particularly good I don't think there's any recordings out no, there but you know like um I had an experience of sort of playing local gigs back then and it was it was tough you know like the things that people used to say it just depend on the region was just well, really awful it? yeah I think yeah because we were in Gloucester I think it had a bit of a small town mentality as well I, I think maybe it wouldn't have been the same in a city like Manchester. Do you think that that's something that spurred you on? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think for me, it just like made me more and more determined really to prove people wrong. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Okay. And and so how uh, how long have you been playing as the Sewer Cats then? When, what was the impetus for starting this band? Um, so really for for a long time because we had done bands before we talked about doing another one didn't we so yeah we finally got our act together really and um I got a drum kit and we started playing again started jamming a bit but at that point I'd never done vocals before and um we thought we would do 
some kind of like post-rock sort of soundscapes or something like that and like maybe put it on SoundCloud and that would kind of be it and we had the name we had the name Sewer Cats because when we go on holiday we always find like the stray cat populations wherever (laughs) we go and feed them and we call them the Sewer Cats right (laughs) so we had this idea of the name but yeah, when when we started jamming, one day I just started shouting things over the top of the music, and we were like, "Oh, you know, that sounds that sounds pretty good." You know, like let's let's do some more of that, and that's just how it came about, really. And that was sort of the end of twenty eighteen. And so, uh, yeah, so the the whole I was going to ask about the cat motif. So it's literally like you guys attract stray cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's our smell. <laughs> and so like, I mean, the power, was it always going to be like a power duo? Was that, was that always the plan? Or were you, I, were, yeah, were you I think, off without other musicians or? Do you know what? Like p- people ask like, why, why did you decide to be a duo? But honestly, we never even thought about, about inviting anyone else in I think I think because we were just like oh it's just a really casual thing that we're just going to do for a laugh like we never thought about oh we need to recruit a bassist or anything like that Mm. and yeah so you know uh, and when we played our first gig we honestly thought oh we'll just do this one gig get it out of our system it'll probably be a real disaster and then we'll just never do it ever again so yeah it's basically like a bit of a joke that got out of hand I think but equally I think it lends a certain like a limitation but in that way you can be creative within the limits of just having the two instruments and and voice I mean if you look back I mean it starts with the Carpenters right the classic rock duo and then you go through kind of White Stripes Death From Above 1979 Royal Blood Slaves Deep Valley did you take any influence from any of those bands? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, I think, you know, like, I think sort of growing up when we did, White Stripes were massive. Um, and um, I remember <laughs> it used to be like a real kind of pet hate of mine because people would always compare me to Meg. Um, and I used to be like, oh, don't call me Meg. <laughs> um, but I love Meg actually and I think Meg's brilliant because in my opinion there's just like nothing worse than an overambitious drummer <laughs> and Meg definitely wasn't that. Meg like played exactly what was right for the song and um, I just love to think Meg sat on her pile of money while people slag her off because I just think yeah I just think she's brilliant so yeah and I think you're absolutely right what you say about the limitations because we do have to think about things creatively don't we and you have to kind of I, I think like a lot of inspiration can come from limitations actually and it it makes you do things in a different way because you you can't just like strum chords because mm. it just like would be boring the whole way um, you approach songs is completely different to everyone else yeah i think it makes it sound unique yeah so how do you kind of sit down and how do you come up with ideas i like you say you can't really 
strum basic chord patterns so like how does the writing process work is it I, I assume it's got to be quite collaborative between the pair of you yeah so usually um we'll kind of start the process with probably one line that I have like one line of vocal and it will just be something that I've heard someone say or like so yeah some sort of catchy line and I'll sort of just shout that over and over and over again and we'll just kind of fit some sort of music to it. Yeah, I often try and fit the guitar to sort of fit the vocals yeah. and the drums all together. So they work as like a sort of one, that yeah. makes sense, mm-hmm. rather than just, yeah, strumming bar chords. I yeah. tend to play quite like busy and it all sort of fills in the gaps because Cass has to play, you know, when she's singing, she has to play fairly simple like drum beats. Mm. I think it kind of works. So. Yeah, so we'll start with that, won't we? And then we just kind of develop it until it kind of turns into a song um but yeah like that's normally how it works and normally they come together pretty quick if like they take too long they usually don't make it um so yeah they they're normally like yeah come together within the first sort of five ten minutes you've got the the main sort of song and then we'll kind of spend some time sort of like refining it after that Mm. I think that's the best thing about being in punk bands though isn't it like it's quite an immediate gratification really because you can you can come up with like two or three maybe four chords and write some lyrics to them and yeah if it it doesn't come together within half an hour probably isn't going to (laughs) work yeah yeah if it's too much hard work yeah it usually doesn't make it you Cass have chosen one of the most difficult things to do it feels like to me because I dabble with drums I'm really crap at it but there's no way like it's it's coordinating four limbs and also singing is quite a difficult thing to do like has it taken a while to perfect it um yeah like I mean I always think it it looks way more hard for like to, to my eyes to play in the volume or sitting because you're shouting as well <laughs> I literally can drown out like any man like standing up without doing anything else sat down on a drum kit like it's incredible it's like you, you knew that when you used to say to me use your indoor voice yeah Cass has got one of his but it works <laughs> so. doesn't always work like when you know yeah. just at home you're trying to whisper <laughs> tricky or um I don't know I mean like it it came quite naturally, I think. I think it helps that I play drums in quite a simple way. And so, like, you know, I'm not kind of overcomplicating things so that the vocal can go over the top. I also tend to sing. I've got quite a low voice, right? So I sing low, but I shout high. Mm. So it kind of carries over the top of everything else, which I think really helps. It, it does take some effort to... I think I've got better over time. So like it, it's, you know, over time I kind of refined the way I do things. I think the hardest thing actually is catching your breath because it's so physical playing the drums. And then like sometimes, it, you know, like your lungs are just like after a song, just like, <gasps> you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like running out of breath can be a problem. But yeah, I, I think I think I have to do it quite well so that's good <laughs> sometimes you do wish you were released for the drum kit yeah I think sometimes I do wish that I was like just a singer because I do feel like that is something that 
you know is hard with being a duo mm. and, and having me being the singer is that I can't interact with the crowd as much as someone else could um, and that is a bit of a frustration sometimes I think yeah I can imagine that but at the same time it's quite a two-piece punk band is not the norm like I say I could only reel off I was thinking of like two-piece rock bands like and I could only think of like five or six I'm sure there are more but seeing you two kind of in your full-on attack mode I mean I'd imagine it's quite a powerful sight anyway really Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and we did, um, we did, we have tried like recently kind of getting a bit more crowd interaction where like we kind of invite people up to kind of hit a cowbell and stuff. And right. um, yeah, that, that's been like going well. Um, people seem to enjoy kind of like being part of it. And I think, I think again, it sort of like blurs those lines between you know who who can do it like who can be involved and I think like you know any anyone can have a go so like it's good to kind of get that interaction I think from the people watching yeah definitely and so more recently you've signed to TNS Records what was it that kind of made you pick them to go with as a record label I assume it's probably down to their kind of non-profit DIY punk ethos or were you kind of were you looking for a label or did they come to you should I say yeah so um so TNS are are, you know they're they're so part of the scene in Manchester so like we got to know TNS through playing like local gigs around here um and um Andy from TNS um with along with Joe puts on Garlic Bread Club which is a really great punk night here um which we played at and TNS are also involved in Manchester Punk Festival which we're playing at soon so it was it was the natural choice wasn't it really to um to go with TNS 
And, um, you know, they've been so good at helping us with everything and, you know, getting the word out there. And, you know, we can't thank them enough, really, for, for what they've done uh, with releasing this record. Mm. Yeah, I really, it was released on Hell Happy Theory Records. Yeah. Um, but that came to an end. So then, yeah, we went looking for someone else. Yeah. So. Okay, I wasn't sure actually whether you, I should have asked whether you were on another label before. I wasn't sure whether it was that or whether you were releasing independently. So, so the new record that you mentioned there, Acute Aggression, is coming out today. And uh, you, you were gracious enough to give me a kind of sneak preview of it as well. And uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, compared to the last ones, it seems like you guys have gone in a slightly more, I mean, it sounds angrier. I don't know whether that's uh, something that you guys have experienced over the last couple of years, because um, the last album came out, w- was it 2018 or 2019? Uh, no, 2020. 2020. Yeah. Oh, was it 2020? Sorry. April 2020. Wow. Yeah, so it came out um, during the, the first lockdown. Mm. Um, yeah, right at the start of the lockdown. So, um, yeah, great time to release a record. <laughs> but, um, you know. In the grand scheme of things, it it wasn't, um, you know, anything too important. But, yeah, we released it then um, and we did some live streams and stuff to promote that at the time. But with this record, yeah, you're right. I think I I just get angry and angry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, when I was looking, I was listening through to it earlier on the last couple of days, Delia and My Dark One especially came across as quite angry I mean, there's been a lot to kind of get angry about over the last couple of years, I guess. Was there anything in particular that kind of sparked that? Apart from obviously, you know, the government being fucking awful and world world leaders (laughs) waving their dicks about while completely ignoring or actively killing their own populations. Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head really there. I think you couldn't you know most of the album was written during the lockdown and you couldn't help but like look around you at what was happening and think of the complete incompetence of the government at handling it so it's very much against that backdrop also there's like a lot of loneliness in the record obviously we've got each other <laughs> we were locked in together which was which was great actually because we could write loads mm. but outside of that I couldn't work so I did a bit of volunteering and I met quite a lot of lonely people through that and there's a couple of songs on there that are kind of written from their point of view actually um so um yeah there's a couple of songs that yeah like I'm sort of playing a role of someone else I suppose also um you know just some some sad things happened to us. I went through a period of like being quite depressed and anxious at one point. And, you know, it has a flavour of that, I think, on some of the tracks like My Dark One. So I think, I think just generally, as our records have progressed, they have got darker. Hmm. I think because as you, yeah, I suppose as I've kind of got more used to writing songs, because as I mentioned, it's very much been like a learning process as we've done this band. I'd never wrote a song before doing this band. Um, I've become more comfortable, I suppose, with with kind of talking about the way I feel more personally. And I've kind of gone to some more difficult places, I suppose, lyrically. And I've kind of pushed myself more on this album to, I suppose, be a bit more vulnerable. 
And is it is just you who comes up with the lyrics, Josh? You don't have a, or do you do you contribute some as well? I don't really add anything to the lyrics. Do just I? trying to think. I'm always you like, probably have done one. I'm always like telling you to like um, crack the whip, aren't I? Like write a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always have a guitar light. I'm just waiting for Cass to come up with something. Yeah, yeah. Just, we we have this like joke that Josh is like Greg Ginn from Black Flag. Because... <laughs> not that bad. I am not that bad. I do not make you practice six hours a day. <laughs> Because, yeah, he's all gone at me to, like, you know, write a song, practice more. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like, you know, uh, I think um, the songs, like, are always quite quite personal, really. They come from things that have happened to me. So, yeah, like, I just kind of try and, like, write stuff down and things people have said, like, as they happen. So, yeah, I better crack on with some more, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've been you've been so mild mannered up till now, Josh. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> now he's showing his true colours, yeah. aren't you? He's yeah. Just under the surface, it's all boiling yeah. away. <laughs> but it's not all darkness, is there? There's a bit of light in there too. I mean, um, some of the stuff that made me smile. I mean, Sausage Fest, for example. And I love the title of shit in your hands and clap. <laughs> just, I love it. Uh, and also English spaghetti. I was like, well, I can see exactly where that's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think though that has like two sides to it as well. Cause um, that's sort of like written from the point of view of, of someone else. It's actually based on a real recipe. Someone gave me. <laughs> right. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's basically you get the spaghetti, no garlic, no onions. Um, you just make like a tomato. I'll give it a go. <laughs> you mix the spaghetti and tomato sauce, put it in a ramekin, um, and crack an egg on top and put it in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. And that is English spaghetti. So really um, yeah, it was, it was actually based on that recipe. <laughs> and it's it's kind of like a, a character, sort of loosely based on someone I know, who actually, you know, has all these kind of opinions that I don't agree with, but deep down is a nice person. <laughs> and how do you, how do you kind of, um, you know, reconcile that? And I think, I think it's sort of, yeah, towards the end, it's sort of like showing some empathy for for someone like that, because if, we, well, I think if we don't, like, we're doomed, really. We've got to try and, you know, find, find common ground mm. with even, you know, people that have really terrible opinions, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but I think that's another thing that 2020 and 21 have kind of given us pause for thought. Like you, Cass, I was not working for most of 2020 and it gave you a lot of time to sit and think and um there's a lot of division and i think you're absolutely right dialogue needs to happen doesn't it because otherwise i mean at the extreme end of things you get what's going on in ukraine where people can't talk to each other and uh you know but obviously on the less extreme side of that i know ever since maybe 2016 and the brexit referendum there's been a real division in families as well as just society in general and and yeah you're absolutely right and i think that that's a you know it's a, a a positive thing to be showing in song form there are two yeah. sides to a story and there's always middle ground that you can come and meet in the middle you know 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think particularly punk can be a bit obvious at times. And like, you know, it's, it's not like I'm saying I'm a really subtle songwriter because at times <laughs> I'm really not. Um, but it can be a bit too much like, yeah, just very one-sided kind of hate towards the other side, which has its place. Mm. And obviously, you know, there are times on this album where we do kind of throw you know, accusations at the other side, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think we need to try and have some empathy for people that we disagree with. Mm. Good place to be. Uh, and there's also a little bit more of Josh on backing vocals on this one as well. Like it seemed um, on the last two albums, because uh, I listened to the EP and, and the original kind of demo, demo recordings yeah. as well. Is that because of increasing complexity of the songwriting or uh, or is it just more more confidence these days? Or, or... Yeah, I think it's partly like more confidence. I haven't done any vocals either. So mm. yeah, I've got more confident with it. And um, yeah, some of those some of those vocals on the album like, I actually do live and some of them I don't do live that we just decided to do like when we were recording. Mm. But I think it does add like a certain like something extra because you've got Cass's high voice and yeah. my, my low voice, I think it, yeah, it doesn't harm some of the songs. Mm. Yeah, I think that's um, it's something that kind of stood out anyway, because obviously up until this point, there's been the one voice and then yeah. having that second one underlying and like you say, boosting in, in some cases, I thought they really worked. And actually going back to something that I didn't really pick up on, like Cass, you said that you hadn't really done singing before this as well. Why did you decide to become the drummer and the singer then in that case? <laughs> just necessity, I suppose. Like, like I said, um, you know, it just one day it just sort of happened. And then, yeah, before I knew it, I was the singer as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's something that I'm enjoying so much. You know, I've always, I've always been one to like love karaoke <laughs> and singing in the car and stuff. Yeah. But I always thought I can't sing, you know, I can't hold a tune. And like, I wouldn't say I'm, you know, like a sort of proper singer, but um, yeah, I can belt, belt out a vocal for sure. So <laughs> yeah, it's something that, you know, um, I wish I'd done sooner really. And I suppose, you know, coming into 2022 now, it seems like things are getting back to normal. Whether they should be or not is up for question, I guess. But uh, the gigs are starting to come back through again. Is that something that you're looking forward to? Because obviously I, I assume there was a, a dearth of um, of playing live for a while. I mean, how did that affect you guys kind of lockdown and the, the last couple of years? I mean, I know you said you were doing some live streams, but you know, it's not quite the same, is it? Shit, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to see some like you know, like wailing like in his living room, but like you know, yeah, it's better, I mean, it's better than nothing, isn't it? So, yeah, it's better than nothing. Um, and I think we used time well because I think we just wouldn't have got an album together had it had we not had the time. Yeah. I think to to write for it, but yeah, we're it's so good being back live because I think that is our strength really is playing live and so yeah really enjoying being back to it and we've booked a tour for May and June so we'll be announcing that soon and yeah looking forward to playing some new places and yeah seeing new faces and all of that and records always try to mimic like what we're like live we try and get yeah. like, written sort of raw 
sort of sounds and sort of get people interested in what we yeah what we sound like live yeah so when when you come in see us live a lot of people say oh it sounds exactly like the record and I hope that's in a good way as in it the record sounds very kind of live sounding mm. and uh yeah you know like I don't think we're, we're sort of too different sounding it's to the record at all when we play live it's it's you know um, just more energetic, I suppose. Well, next time we're going to get auto tune on you, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? I think punk bands, especially, need to sound that energetic. And, and yeah. certainly, the recordings that you've put down, even before this album, were raw and live sounding anyway i mean i think that's um that's definitely a strength and certainly if people are saying oh it sounds like the album i would say that that's a good thing yeah i see you're playing down in hastings as well which is down not too far away from me so i might come yeah. and uh, might come along to that one for sure yeah absolutely i think we might have a date even closer to them mm. to you actually all right so yeah um i've got the chatham date which oh right yeah that's literally down the road yeah, yeah, there you go. Where are you playing in Chatham? Uh, Poco Loco. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the only place yeah. in Chatham to play. Of course it is. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, cool. Well, I'll definitely see you there then, for sure. Right. Cool. What are some of your favourite things about playing live? I mean, and do you have any kind of standout um, shows that you have played? Yeah, I think, I think just kind of experiencing people like up close, enjoying it, in Manchester, we have this whole thing of like everyone does pyramids. You know, it's it's just like there's nothing like it, is there? Really? Yeah, just like the energy. Yeah, the energy is all. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. I also like the fact that you don't know really what's going to happen. Like, yeah, like some mm. random shit often happens. Um, yeah. Sometimes I channel my guitar lead and pull it out, and sometimes it goes <laughs> quiet for a bit. But that's all part of the chaos. Like, yeah. The chaos is like makes it exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say like a standout kind of place to play that we love going to is Conroy's basement in Dundee. That's always just so good there. They have a brilliant sound system. So it's like super loud. And like, just everyone is like, just so up for it. Like, you know, whenever a touring band comes through, they just like, can't wait to see you. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just a brilliant atmosphere there. Oh, cool. I'll have to look out for that one. Yeah. What are your favorite or least favorite things about uh, being in a band together? Oh, <laughs> everything is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it like that. It's not like I'm like <laughs> Greg's um, in the wind. I mean, I just think <laughs> it's a bit of a boring thing to say, but the convenience of it. The convenience is the reason why I've been about me. Brilliant. Like, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, like it's just e like it's easy to get together to practice. It's easy to book gigs because, like, you can just shout to the other one, are you free on this day? Like, we just know of so many other bands that end up kind of not doing as much as they'd like because it's just the, like, the logistics of it is so difficult. So I think that's, like, just a real plus point for us. But ultimately, I'm sorry to be like, this is a little bit soppy, but I just think I just love kind of that we've like created something together it is like you know like kind of you know making your little like album baby that you've kind of yeah like you've really worked on together and it's just so satisfying to kind of create that you know that it just the two of us I guess and I think 
think that's partly why I like it just being just the two of us. There's no other involvement because, you know, you can be proud of this thing that you've made together. Cool. Yeah, I feel like we've got like such a connection. We've been, been together for yeah. such a long time. We know each other so well. We all we know what each other's going to do and like, yeah. what we're going to play. So Yeah, and it does so... translate to the music, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. I was going to say, does that help live as well? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, the, the sound engineer that we work with, um, Tom, we've worked with him on all our stuff. He even like just recorded like our demo in our living room. <laughs> that was yeah. the first thing that we did. Um, and he says like that we have this weird timing thing that he's only seen with either us or with siblings. <laughs> where like we know like we know without counting when each other's going to stop and start and so like um we've got a song in the album which has like sort of starts and stops and like he's just like how like how do you know like when to do it because yeah, it's not the actual it's, right time it's not actually <laughs> like on, it's not actually on the count it's just <laughs> we just know so yeah it is it, you do have that that kind of like weird connection music i think oh that's cool um and uh, and before we do end i, I didn't want to i <laughs> i wasn't sure about asking that question first off because i never like to put a bit of jeopardy into an interview hmm. but uh, yeah before we do bring it to a close i mean what music are you listening to at the moment that you think others should also be tuning into and what bands are in your kind of local scene that you'd like to kind of give a a bit of a, a shout out to oh there's there's so many yeah it's the DIY yeah. punk scene at yeah. the moment is amazing. There's so many bands that are just so good. You just every time you go to a gig, you see somebody you don't know, you didn't know before, and it's just like, wow, that was amazing. Like even this, like this Saturday, Garlic Bread Club, mm. like electric press and going off, like never heard them before. They just blew us away. Yeah, they were incredible. So yeah, there's just so many. Um, so there's those two, and uh, we really love Bruise Control. Um, Haste, Comeback Clit, who are out of Hastings. We're going to be like touring with them. They're going to do a couple of, they'll do the chat and date actually. Right. So you'll see them then. Um, Riviera Kids, Piss Kitty. I'm go- like, we're going to miss someone. And there's, there's, of course, like Josh's Elder Brothers band, which is all Depends. They're about to come and stay with us today. So, yeah, there's loads. And, and I think that was something that, you know, talking about, especially, for example, female fronted and queer bands as well. There's a lot actually going on now. And there seems yeah. to be quite a burgeoning scene for that kind of, uh, yeah. that, that kind of subgenre, if, you, if, it, if it even is a subgenre, you know. And, uh, yeah, like even going through uh, yesterday, I kind of went through your Twitter followers and who's following you and all that kind of stuff. There's so many so many bands from so many various backgrounds and and subcultures so so much going on in that space that it seems like a really exciting area to be involved in it absolutely is yeah and so what's what's next obviously the tour is next i guess and and promoting the album i mean uh, and it sees you going around the uk how how many dates are you playing what about eight i think yeah yeah, I think that's about eight. So, um, yeah, we're going to do a few Scotland dates and then um, over sort of one weekend and then a couple of weekends later, we're going to do the kind of South dates. 
so that's really exciting. And uh, this weekend, we've got MPF as well, um, which will be our album release show. So that's really exciting to get there because that's been delayed for two years. So um, yeah, super excited to perform there as well. Excellent. And um, also the video out now as well for uh, Delia. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to come around to and didn't. So uh-huh. there's a, it, it's a great video. I love it. Really uh, kind of kinetic right. and well shot. But uh, there's a whole thing about Johnny Cash there. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> I was reading, it was, uh, it, he actually has a song about Delia, right? Yeah. Uh, Delia's Gone. Yeah. So D- So basically we were listening to that track. We were listening to Delia's Gone. And, you know, before anyone thinks I'm hating on Johnny Cash, I actually really like Johnny Cash (laughs) and his music. But yeah, that song, it's not actually written by him. He's he's the person that made it famous. Right. But um, it's a folk song that's based on a real murder victim. Hmm. So the the real Delia was a 14-year-old African-American girl who was shot by her boyfriend. And that folk song has been sang by many men down the years and um yeah I just kind of had this idea that it would be kind of an interesting thing to write a response to that song from Delia's point of view and Mm. to just be kind of really sassy and sort of extra and just be very kind of you know sort of make this kind of almost like have sort of a a kind of girlish fun comeback to it really and yeah it's one of like most poppy songs that we've ever written but yeah it's a lot of lot of fun I think for a song about domestic violence (laughs) (laughs) well they were there was a big tradition of murder ballads wasn't it in the kind of uh, country and western scene so uh, yeah interesting to have a have a retort from one of the characters yeah this, this many years later as well um and an amazing guitar line on that as well i noticed oh, so thanks. no i really thanks. enjoyed it and and is that the single from the album so far or are they going to be more um, so that will be the kind of last single i guess but we've we've done another single actually before that one and um, so we did answer the question which is the of first course. song on the album and um, that's got a video to Josh always plays the villain. I play the bastard because I'm a a white man. So, So, yeah, he's the villain in that video too. So, So, yeah, um, check that one out because that's a good laugh. If you want to see me running around Manchester like a twatty Tory, then, yeah. (laughs) I would definitely go and check that out. And I also obviously implore everyone listening to go and check out uh, the Sewer Cats and their back catalogue but especially the new album and keep an eye out for where they're playing on their tour. Uh, go and check them out. Where, where can they find you? I think we're everywhere really. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's the uh, Facebook, the sewer cats and um, Bandcamp, Twitter, the sewer cats, Instagram. Yeah. You can find us everywhere. If you just put in the sewer cats, you'll find us. Josh and Cass, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing you in Chatham in a few in, weeks. Yeah, a few weeks' time. <laughs> It'll be in June. June. Yeah, yeah. June. So we'll, we'll let you know the dates. Brilliant. But yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, no problem at all. I'll get you a drink when you're down there. Brilliant. Thanks, Tom. Cool. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. There you go. 
What great people. I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm recording this for the first time in a long time, right after I've had the conversation with Cass and Josh. And I'm absolutely buzzing, as I say, especially as I get to see them in a few weeks, virtually on my doorstep. It's always the sign of a great interview when the conversation carries on after I've stopped recording, and we went on for another 10 to 15 minutes. Cass and Josh are lovely people making great music. Make sure you go and check them out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere, and let them know I sent you. Till next time, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of Band Biographies. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, Instagram at BandBiographies, search on Facebook for BandBiographies or by emailing bandbiographies at gmail.com. See you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.